Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season 2, episode 15, Better Off Dead. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Written by Bruce Martin. Directed by Armin Mastriani. Original air date, February 13th, 1989. We're back with season 2, episode 15, Better Off Dead. This episode opens with a man, Warren, in a car who certainly looks as if he's prowling for a sex worker. And he pulls over and Leslie gets in his car. And she says she hopes he has a hotel room because it's cold outside. But he brings her to his house. And the camera shows us a light in one of the windows on the second floor. So immediately, I don't know why, and then I was more convinced later, I thought of Jane Eyre because of the light in the window. I thought he had his wife locked up somewhere. Well, I was thinking too, yeah, that he had, that somebody was locked up there, yeah. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought. And then when they get inside, Leslie's shocked when Warren says he has to go look in on his daughter. But he doesn't seem to think there's anything weird about that. So as Warren goes up the stairs, we can hear screaming coming from his daughter's room. So now, when he got to the top of the stairs, I was sure that his daughter had some sort of mental illness because of screaming. Mm -hmm. And can be cured by whatever antique Warren has. But he has to kill people for it to work. So that was kind of my guess before he even looked in the daughter's room. Mm -hmm. But when he gets to her room, he looks through the peephole. And we see Amanda flailing around and tied to the bed, which... Kind of then made me think of The Exorcist. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yes, now I was thinking we were dealing with some kind of possession or something. Right, me too, yeah. And then he says to really no one, because he doesn't go in the room, that he'll have her medicine soon. So we know Leslie's done for. So Warren brings Leslie to what looks like a laboratory. He asks her to lie down on a stretcher and restrains her arm. And he tells her he's a scientist who's searching for the part of the brain that makes people want to hurt each other. And he takes something which didn't look like blood, and later we found out it's some kind of fluid out of Leslie's neck with a giant needle. And then he brings the needle to Amanda's room and injects her with it. She calms down and he takes her out of her restraints. So back at the store, Jack reads about another sex worker who was reported missing. And apparently there have been many. Ryan wants to check it out, but Jack says they don't have anything to go on. So let's just file it away for now. So at this point, I was predicting that once they do get involved, Ryan was going to become attached to a sex worker and try to save her from that life. (laughs) (laughs) I was sure of it. So just then, Mickey comes in the store with her college roommate, who she's been helping find an apartment. Linda wants to go to a hotel, but Mickey insists that she stays with them. So I don't know about you, but did you think that Linda would be dead by the end of this episode? Uh Uh-huh, and Ryan falling madly in love with her. One of the two. That's what I thought, too. I know, because of his stalkerish ways and the way he falls for just everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. So over at Warren's house, he's talking to a doctor who thinks that it's better for everyone if Amanda was committed to a state hospital. To prove his point that the hospital wasn't necessary, Warren calls Amanda, who comes out from the back and appears to be cured. The doctor is immediately skeptical and asks if he's testing something on her. Warren says that the disease is in remission and he won't let the doctor examine her and he says that he'll be her doctor going forward. So the doctor mentions a disease, so not possessed by demons. (laughs) In Warren's lab, we see that whatever he took out of Linda turned her aggressive and gave her what he calls hyperviolent syndrome. She's in a cage in the lab. So he goes into the cage to knock her out, but she escapes. And who didn't see that coming? (laughs) She makes it out of the house and takes off as Ryan and Linda are driving down the road. And who doesn't see this coming? Just happens to be the same road. Mm -hmm. Um, They hit her with the car. When Linda runs out, her name's Leslie. I keep mixing up Linda. Linda's in the car. That's where I'm getting all mixed up. 
Okay, they hit her with the car. <laughs> She's still alive, and Ryan runs to a phone booth that just happens to be right there in the middle of nowhere, placed strategically at the accident scene. Ryan reports to the police what happened, but Warren knocks him out, and then he chloroforms Linda and drags her away. So Ryan comes to and yells for Linda, but she's already in Warren's lab. Warren tells her that with any luck, she'll be the last one he needs to hurt. The needle doesn't cure, but I guess he's thinking he's closer to an actual cure. really didn't understand this, because he kept saying, you're the last person I'm going to hurt. And then he keeps hurting people, so I don't really... I I didn't understand a lot of this. So it sounds like he takes many samples until he gets the right one, depending on the location of the brainwave is the way I'm understanding it. Is that what you thought? Well, yeah, because then he does something else with her anyway, so... Right, right. So when he figures that out, he can do surgery to remove the tissue and put it into Amanda's brain. So Mickey and Jack go to the police station to pick up Ryan. The detective tells him that the accident victim was Leslie, the last missing sex worker. He says they found needle marks in her neck, and by her condition, he believes that someone had kept her caged. And Linda is probably with the same kidnapper. So the next morning, Warren wakes Amanda up and asks how she's feeling. She says she's fine and she has no headaches. He says that pretty soon it'll be all over. She'll be herself again and that they'll get her mother back because we learned earlier that the mother left them and everything will be back to normal. So he goes downstairs to make Amanda breakfast, but the doorbell rings and it's a court-ordered nurse, Mrs. Schiller. She's there to make sure he's not treating his daughter. Up in her room, Amanda starts having some sort of attack, and it looks like the treatment is wearing off. They say it's violent something syndrome, but she kind of looked angry. Doesn't it look like she's overcome by anger? Yes. Which kind of makes sense when we get to the end. So back at the store, Ryan is insisting that the person they hit with the car was not the person in the photo that the police showed him. He says the woman he saw looked more animal than human. But Ryan does remember that the man was wearing a lab coat. So Jack goes to the book, and Mickey remembers that the woman had injection marks. So Warren goes to confront the doctor about getting a court order for a nurse. He tells him that he's only one step away from a cure. He says he's found the section of the brain that makes us human. And he calls it the physical seat of the human soul. The doctor asks how he's found this if it doesn't exist in animals because he's suspecting that Warren has done something like experimenting on humans. So the doctor says he's going to have the state hospital take Amanda in the morning. And if he he does anything to her before then, he'll make sure that um, Warren goes to prison. And the doctor says that that Warren's already done enough to ruin her life, and she's like this because of him. So finally, we're getting some kind of story. Meanwhile, Jack finds something in the book, an antique syringe that once belonged to Thomas Neal Cream, and it was sold to Henry, Amanda's doctor. And I looked up Thomas Neal Cream, and he was a serial killer. I think he was Canadian, but he was a doctor, and he lived in Chicago, but he was accused of killing numerous sex workers in London. Oh, wow. Yeah. At one point, they thought, I don't know if he really claimed, like they say here, but they did think he was Jack the Ripper, except that he was in prison in Chicago at the time of all those killings. Oh, okay, but it was still in that era. Yes. And Jack says that he insisted he was Jack the Ripper. I don't know if that part's true. I didn't read up that much. But they did think he was Jack the Ripper for a little bit of time. Antique silver syringe from the collection of Thomas Neil Cream. Sold to Dr. Henry Chadway. Neil Cream? Of course. Of course what? Neil Cream was a Chicago doctor arrested in London for a string of murders. Before he was hanged, he said that he was Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper? Is a Dr. Henry Chadway at the Chadway Boss Institute. What the hell is that? It's a research center, clinical psychiatry. So Mickey looks him up in the phone book. 
Jack and Ryan go to find the doctor while Mickey's going to go look around the accident site for clues or witnesses. Why do they send Mickey by yourself all the time? Right, and you know that two people are already missing. Right. You already know that somebody hit and now somebody took your friends. Right. So but, you go by yourself. Right, so the two men go together and send Mickey by herself. Can't make this up. Mickey, who, although she's not a sex worker, but she's a female, and he seems to be taking females. Mm-hmm. Right. So Amanda's getting worse. The nurse and Warren disagree on how she should be treated, and Warren throws her out. So Amanda throws a fit, and Warren injects her with a giant needle, but the nurse comes back and sees it all. She runs and calls someone, but Warren hears her. Meanwhile, Mickey's just arrived at the house. He tosses the nurse over the railing while Mickey's knocking on the door. So he hides to the side of the door and unlocks it, and Mickey, of course, walks in. I mean, haven't they learned not to walk into a house yet? No. Especially when the door opens by itself or some mysterious force and unlocks it for you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look around. Kind of just goes straight ahead. And I'm just like saying to myself, really? I'm going to shake my head going, so you haven't had enough incidents yet. Right. She rushes to the nurse on the floor, but Warren hits her over the head. Warren buries the nurse, and Mickey wakes up in a cage. She sees Linda on the gurney, but it's hardly Linda anymore. Luckily for Mickey, Linda still has a few injections left in her, so Mickey's safe for a little while. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. He tells Mickey that he'll never have to use the syringe again and begins cutting into Linda's forehead. And he keeps saying that, but apparently that's not true. Jack and Ryan are in the doctor's office. They ask about the syringe and whether he still has it. He's kind of evasive and wants to know what's going on. They tell him about the murders and he scoffs and goes to show them the needle, but it's gone. And he says the only person who had access to his office was Warren, who it turns out was his research partner, but he fired him. Now, I originally thought this doctor was Amanda's doctor earlier on. I did too. They were researching hyperviolent syndrome. He isolated the virus, but left a contaminated needle where Amanda could find it, and she got infected with the disease. Obviously, he's obsessed with finding a cure. In the lab, Warren's ready to start surgery while Mickey begs him not to kill Linda. He says he can save his daughter and many other children. He asks her if she'd rather he kept using the syringe. And of course she says no, but she still doesn't want him to kill people. So he unlocks Mickey's cage and tapes her mouth shut. (laughs) I don't know why I think that's so funny. (laughs) So Jack and Ryan take a cab to Warren's house. And this scene reminded me of that scene in Warehouse 13 when they were in France and they were all in a cab. Oh, okay. And they were discussing the whole operation in front of the cab driver who thought they were yes. off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who thought they were out of their minds and he asks when the mothership was coming for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, Jack has kind of figured things out. 
He thinks that the needle transfers humanity from one person to another, which is why Leslie reminded Ryan of an animal. Her humanity was taken with the needle. Look, a syringe can both extract from and inject into a human body, but I think Cream's needle is capable of transferring a great deal more than just bodily fluids. Like what? Our humanity. That's why Leslie Appling reminded you of an animal. She was missing the human side of her personality? Extracted by the needle. So Voss could inject it into his daughter? Yes. Is that possible? That's not a new idea, Ryan. It was the basis of a book that was very popular at the time that Cream was committing his murders, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Jack says the book Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was kind of based on the same idea. So the doctor does the surgery and finds what he's looking for. See, this is where it's not explained well enough for me, but I'm just kind of guessing at what the deal is here. So he finds the tissue he's looking for that he wants to transplant into his daughter. He goes back to the cage to inject Mickey, and I don't know why, because he has the tissue, but we don't see him inject her. Instead, we're back in Amanda's room where Warren's getting Amanda up to bring her down to the lab. And the cab pulls up, and they see Jack's car, and they know Mickey's there. So Amanda's on the gurney, and Mickey's on the other. So he's going to use Mickey to get the tissue he needs. I'm only guessing because it wasn't explained. I guess that since Linda was injected so many times, her tissue wasn't good and he was only using her to locate it. Is that the way you understood it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Mickey, maybe her tissue's good. So right. I guess he was testing on people to find it and he finally found it with Linda and now he needs one more person to do the surgery. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Jack and Ryan break into the house. Jack hears the monkeys in the basement. Ryan breaks the door with a shovel, and Warren injects Mickey and takes Amanda and hides as Jack and Ryan rush to Mickey. Mickey attacks both of them, and Warren and Amanda run upstairs. Warren gets his gun, but Amanda begins having an episode. She attacks Warren as he's aiming the gun at them from the basement door. And this whole house situation kind of had me confused, too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's railings where I don't remember there being railings. And how is he shooting through the basement door? But later there's a railing that he falls off and he lands in the basement. The whole house setup didn't make sense to me. Yeah, it was weird. It it really was weird. The house setup was weird. Yeah, but it didn't make sense because, you know, we saw the basement and I thought they, they opened a door and the basement was there. And then all of a sudden there's a railing or something. I don't know. The whole house setup, I was confused. Right. But see, I thought that it technically, I didn't want to say it because I really at one point don't remember them going down the stairs. It seemed like, like they had the upstairs, he had the downstairs, and then when you went, you kind of went one down, but it was still on the same level. I think you're right. I'm calling it a basement. You're right. It was on the same level. So that's why I'm so kind of confused because later when he falls, where's that railing? I don't understand how there's a railing when we just saw them open a door and there's a lab. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was a little confused about how the house was set up. So Ryan's already punched Mickey to knock her out. So he runs upstairs to where Warren and Amanda are. Warren tries to inject Amanda, but she throws him over the railing, and he somehow lands in the basement. I'm calling it a basement. It's not a basement, but it still seems downstairs. And and like you said, it didn't seem like it was downstairs. And all of a sudden, there's a railing, and it's downstairs. How does she throw him over a railing, and he lands on the floor in the lab? Do you know what I'm saying? I got you on that, yeah. I was kind of confused about this house setup. Unless they had a uh, a railing on the other side. That, that could be. After, that's how she landed and was landed and rolled into the lab. That, I don't know. How close was he? I can't remember. How close was he to the door? She jumped him and pushed him through the door and off a railing that landed in the lab. So it could be a whole different door than the one we're used to seeing. I don't know. But it didn't make any sense. 
But anyway, so Amanda watches from the top of the landing, but she doesn't attack anybody, which is why I was thinking it, it looked like anger yeah. earlier. I think she was angry with her father. Mm-hmm. I believe so, too. And it's like she didn't attack as if she wanted them to have the syringe so they could eject the stuff back into Mickey and save her. You know, she went after her father, but she didn't really, she growled at Ryan, but she didn't try to attack him. And then she was just like watching from the top and Jack was just standing there. She could have attacked him, but she didn't. And it almost seemed like she wanted them to have the syringe. She did that so they could have the syringe so they could inject Mickey with her own fluid back to save her. So back at the store, Jack tells Ryan that Mickey's better, but it's going to take a while, number one, because of everything that happened, but also she lost her friend. And Ryan says he called the hospital and that Amanda's safe there. So the cursed antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a silver syringe that extracts part of the soul from others, allowing him to temporarily cure his daughter of her hyperviolence, but the donors become hyperviolent themselves. Some of these actors did have credits in other episodes, but IMDb didn't give me a list of episodes, only character names, so none of them I recognized, so they could be characters coming up, or they could be just names I forgot, but I couldn't figure out what episodes, so I didn't go any farther. What did you think of this one? I mean, it was okay. The issue I had was, how do your teeth go from pearly white to rabbit and the hair thing? Yeah, you know, who knows how long they had her, but I think they're trying to make the point that she's been living in a cage. But if she was in a cage for two days... Maybe your hair would be a mess, but her teeth wouldn't be rotted. Right, yeah. And that part I could see, but it just, to me, was a little bit over the top, a little bit over the top. So I was wrong. Ryan didn't fall in love with anybody. Nope. He didn't stalk any sex workers. Expecting him to run into a room screaming and disrupt everything that was going on and let the person get away, but he didn't even do that this episode. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) But we were right that Linda was going to be dead by the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, yes. And, you know, they don't really tell us how Mickey gets cured. I mean, we just have to guess. Right. Because Jack looks at the needle so that they injected whatever back into her to cure her. Which we never knew was an option during the whole episode. I liked it, too. It was kind of predictable at some points. Like I said, first, it was reminded of Jane Eyre. And then, you know, as soon as I heard the girl screaming, I knew her father was trying to cure her of something. The other thing is, too, what was the sex worker's name? What's her name? Starts with an L. Uh, Anyway. Leslie. Leslie. Okay, Leslie. So you mean to tell me you in this house and you don't hear nobody scream? I know, but we didn't really hear her scream until he got close to the top of the stairs. So I don't know. I don't know. She thought it was weird that his daughter was home, which it is. You know, right, it is. But we didn't hear her scream. I didn't hear her scream until he was almost to the top of the stairs. So maybe, yeah. you know, because it's an old house and it has those thick wooden doors and stuff that you couldn't. Don't long, like, you gotta hear something. Then you go into a lab and why are you laying down? Why are you laying down on the table and he's putting the cups on you because she's a sex worker and you know she thinks that's just what he wants and they ain't that much money in the world <laughs> i gotta see the cash up front and i still probably be like yeah no you're just vulnerable right there there's no right. turning back because they could leave you there and just leave right exactly yeah so i'm like nah it ain't that much money in the world buddy figure it out or get somebody else to do it i ain't the one so that's all the issue that i really have with that part was like really well yeah i mean and i think we say that every week like really yeah you didn't think about that (laughs) sex workers are not that naive either right because you're in somebody's house you're not in a hotel 
hotel you're room. In, uh, right, and you're right. endangering yourself, especially going to a location at... It's a wooded area, too. That's the other thing. It's a wooded area. In a hotel room, if he tied her up and just left her, somebody was going to find her eventually. Right. You know, so you're, the housekeeper's going to come in. Yeah, in somebody's house in the middle of nowhere, which is why I was laughing when, you know, Ryan just happens to find a phone booth on this deserted <laughs> street. <laughs> oh, and that's the other thing. He wakes up from being knocked out, and the police still ain't there. I was wondering if they ever even showed up until we finally went to the police station. I was like, you know, he gave all the information before he got knocked out. They should be there. Right, so I, I was expecting that when he got knocked out, that I'm going to see the police in the ambulance there trying to uh, make sure he's okay. I guess we're supposed to assume they eventually came, but yeah, you know, I've never been knocked out, so I don't know how long you're knocked out, but I got to imagine it's just not only a couple minutes or something, you know? Right. So, yeah, I was expecting the police to be there, and, and then I thought they weren't even going to show up, and I was like, but he gave all the information, so they should be right. able to find him, and then I guess they just skipped that for time and moved to the police station, but yeah, I expected them to be there when he woke up. Me too. I think that's all I got. Yeah, I think that's all I have, too. All right, so we'll be back next week with episode 16. All right, see you next All week. Right. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.